Lissenborg is Europe's hottest new country. This is The Focus Group. They're all business, except when they're not. It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Focus Group. Tim Bennett here, as always, with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John T. Nash. We are The Focus Group here every Wednesday with an audio-only replay on Saturdays or whenever you time shift your media. Find all about us and all of our media properties, including our podcast, TFG Unbuttoned, at focusgroupradio.com. While you're there, please give us a follow or a like or a subscribe or whatever they, they ask you to do. Mark, Mark down here, you know, he, he said he was confused as to, he said it wasn't easy to follow something. I don't know. <laughs> well, as long as he listens, right? Yeah, no, he, he listens. Hey, I had a quick question for you, John. Have you been following this craziness about Madonna on Instagram? Do you no, follow her at I, all? I've heard a little bit about it. So what's going on? Well, I go on over there. Well, apparently over the weekend or right before or a couple of days ago, uh, before the weekend, she had done a well, she had people were complaining about her plastic surgery and they said she she's almost like uh Norma Desmond. Like she just needs to say it's time to get off the stage. Mm-hmm. But she's done all this um kind of crazy, I guess, plastic surgery. And some pictures, people certainly will pick pictures to make somebody look bad not their best. Yeah. Yeah, it almost reminded me of that Pete Burns from Dead or Alive, who looked absolutely horrible with some of his plastic surgery. But she also she did a lot. She did a uh, she did a big hit of Poppers, and uh, she, she said it was her first time and uh, wanted to see what it was all about, and did did a big hit on the Instagram with some other people. And so she she videotaped herself, yeah, having her first hit of, and she's okay. got and okay. she's got all of this, you know tin on her teeth and i mean it's just she's gone I, she's just if oh, you get a chance does, does she do the metal the thing she wears the grill so between the the lips blown up you know she's all stung and swollen and the the the, the metal cutting her lips and then she was she had just little things over her nipples and doing the hit of poppers and dancing around and how old is she now 64 ish so, you know, I think that all of us, as we age, we kind of recognize that the um, that that is the provenance of the young, right? You know, like being a star, doing yeah. the concert tours, and she was at a particular unique time when we we bought albums, right? Right. You know, so I I guess that's my 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 simple way of saying why is she doing this? Well, she has a tremendous catalog of music. Yeah, and you know, as you said, she was a she star worldwide yeah, of, of of our generation of of growing up in the eighties and nineties, and and certainly is a talent, and and certainly managed her brand quite well, and everybody loves her for that. But you look at you look at this sort of thing. Um, I just shook my head because Richard and some people down here we were talking about. He's like, "Have you seen Madonna?" And I don't know if she's doing it for shock value. Because you know that was her thing, right? She used to go yep. on. She was what was it night, night? Well, what just remember that? Truth or Dare, right? But what was that other? And this was the sex book. So she was some anniversary. Maybe it was thirty years of the sex book. But Nightline, she used to go on and be provocative and be talk against the church or whatever. And I was thinking, okay, is this her still trying to be relevant, or still trying to you know push buttons? But you know, the other one right up there with her is Martha Stewart. It's like Martha, please, honey. I don't need okay, you to this, stir anything is, else up. This is sort of fascinating to me because um, you know who Kylie Minogue is, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was once told by a friend who's French that while Madonna was all the rage in America, Kylie Minogue was all the rage in the rest of the whole world. So, you know, like France, that kind of thing. Because right. she was a huge... I don't... I haven't... You know, every time I read about Kylie Minogue, it might be, you know, she's remixing something or she's in studio... But I don't read about her doing a hit of poppers on Instagram. So no. I guess it's the personality and the need for the ringing the bell, right? Like the Pavlovian dog. Well, Cher anything? certainly. Cher is Cher is older. Mm-hmm. You know, Cher is yep. ten or fifteen years older than Madonna. Uh, as is Elton John, a few others that are doing their music and farewell tours or whatever, and have um, you know, Cher looks darn good for all the. Yeah, she, she makes does. no bones about the fact that she's had a little nip and tuck here and there. But she, there's certainly a way you could gracefully. Um, I agree. I agree. You know, move along, but I, I don't know. Maybe that's just her personality. Anyway, I just didn't know if you would follow it. If you get a chance, 
Click on yeah. some of the picks. Take a look. See I am think. now. Yeah, you you now got me doing that. Hey, you know me and my love of the English language, right? Uh-oh. So I found a word that I think you'll enjoy. Remember last week on the show, we talked about that Colorado client we had that was still delivering on humorous yes. things. You recall that you and I were on a call once where one of the founders of that company said that I spoke in a flowery way. Perhaps I used too many words, but it's flowery. It was flowery. Flowery. It's very flowery. Language is flowery, yes. So we routinely watch, if we're having a bad day or if we don't want to watch the news, we'll literally turn on Downton Abbey. It doesn't matter what season it is or what's happening because we just know we're at the Abbey and there's the upstairs, downstairs, the whole bit. Well, Carson the butler the other day, on I forget which episode it was or what season, he used a word that I had never heard before, and I, I had to look it up, but get, you're going to love this. So he said something to the effect of, he was giving a speech, and he said, he goes, I will attempt to not be prolix in my remarks. So I had to rewind, watch it again, prolix, P-R-O-L-I-X, and literally it means using or containing too many words, tediously lengthy. And here's an example. He found the narrative too prolix and discursive. So, you know, had that client been a little bit more on the ball, she would have said on that conference call, you know, John can be a little too prolix at times. I don't think that word would have crossed their lips. Uh, you, you read my mind precisely. Thank you, Tim. But, you know, she could have. It might have I mean, been a I bit think of a flowery surprise. was a stretch. <laughs> flowery was quite the stretch. Yeah, that was that a stretch. Is very flowery. flowery was a so stretch. So we, we have... Madonna doing poppers on Instagram, and we have Carson the butler teaching us a new world, a new word called Prolix, P-R-O-L-I-X. That's the focus group. I get a new word a day that comes into my little, you know. Do you really? Yeah. And I try to guess what it is, because you were, you were always good about deciphering things. So what was, give an example, do you have an example, or is it? Uh... You know, I think that Prolix, or whatever you said, came up. And uh, and what I have to do sometimes is I go to how'd you say it and I click on it because it will pronounce that it too. is a huge help as well because I often mispronounce stuff. Yeah. You know? So so I've I've done that, but I don't have one off the top of my head. But it is funny because on Jeopardy, then once in a while things will come up on Jeopardy, and be like, oh, I remember that. Well, um, another example of language is Bob's. We saw Bob's mom uh, two Saturdays ago. Took her to get some chest X-rays because she had had some uh, a chest cold that was clearing up. Well, the radiologist submitted the x-rays to the portal. You know, you can look at your portal right. now and all your information. And there was a report that, that accompanied it. And I spent 15 minutes with Bob going to the dictionary and deciphering at oh least 10 God. different words to basically learn that the right part of her lung had a minor collapse. And it was due to, this happens frequently with uh, fluid buildup or something, but the language they were using was so far removed from simply saying, well, there's a little bit of problem in the right lung. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she had fluid in her right lung. She, that, that's exact, there you go. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. I hate when people, people do that in software a lot with tech stuff. I used to hate that when people would come in and talk to me. I'm like, can you just explain it to me in English? Can you tell me yeah. what's going on? I don't need to know about all the, well, well, first you don't need you to use all the. Alt delete, and then you got to reboot, and you got to do this, and you got to load your, your, yeah. yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah, a little craziness. So, um. So, hey, that, how our show works, if uh, you haven't figured out so far, we do a little banter up front, and then we have what caught, what caught our eye story that uh, John and I found during the week. And then we do uh, we have a deep discount segment where we pick some movies and talk about new releases they have. It's one of our sponsors. And then we do our business birthday, and then we do a little shop talk. And uh, this week, we're going to talk about some secrets that Apple uses for the interview process, mm-hmm. which I was surprised about. Mm-hmm. Me too. So, Mr. Nash, without further ado, what caught your eye this week? What caught your eye? Here's what Tim and John found. Well, whenever the Queen of England comes up on the radar, it catches my eye because I just fell in love with her. You know, it's like the movie The Queen with Helen Mirren and the the, uh, Prime Minister Tony Blair's wife says, you know, everybody goes, everybody goes soft in the knees for the Queen, you know, like like she's their mother (laughs) or something. This, this is, this is, we'll talk about this. So, Okay. The headline reads, Queen Elizabeth II and her unexpected friendship with this A-list actor. It's an American male actor. And I think if I said to you, if I gave you three guesses, you would probably not guess who this this friendship de- that, that she developed towards the end of her reign was with. I, I, it still shocks me. So um, can I guess? You try. Okay, try. 
and and I'm going to throw well no I won't guess I don't want to ruin the story but no, I, no, I was no. only I was only going to guess based upon there was one actor that was hanging around the royal family and I thought it was weird he was he was hanging around William and uh, Kate who was it uh, Mr Cruz. Oh, you, there you go. This is this took me by surprise. That's who the friend is. So did you see? Here. Did you see him hanging around with them? I thought that was an is. odd. I thought that was an odd, an odd. So I know I didn't even know this story. I haven't seen this, so I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take that away. But no. I thought it, I thought it was an odd thing. And they, but he was separated. You know how tall William is. Uh huh. Yeah. You know you can't. So they were trying to move Cruz, but he was hanging around with them. And I was like, what is he doing there? Was it James it, Bond or something? No, and if it had been like Daniel Craig, the I think he's a British actor who played right. Bond, that would make sense. But it seems the late Queen had friends in high places, and apparently Hollywood is no different. So Elizabeth, the Queen grew close with Tom Cruise in the final weeks before her death. And I don't know that that reporting is, you know, she grew close. Okay, well, let's figure it out. And a report from the Sunday Times of London per their page six, wink, wink, so we know it's a gossip thing. A close source said the two really hit it off over the summer with Cruz appearing in Elizabeth's Platinum Jubilee celebrations. Of course, William and Kate were there as well. They added, the queen let it be known that she was really disappointed not to have <laughs> met Tom at the pageant. So he was invited to have a special tour of Windsor Castle with everything laid on. Afterwards, just the two of them had tea together. Oh my God. She loved seeing him and they really hit it off, so much so that she invited him back for lunch. He was even allowed to fly a helicopter into Windsor and land, you know, near the castle. So the article ends with, could you imagine wow. those conversations? Um, no, I can't, because has she seen his movies? Like, what, <laughs> did they talk about Scientology? I mean, because he's a Scientologist, right? <laughs> did he try to convert her? Is she on planet Xenon or something? What, what do you think they talked about? Oh, Rod Hubbard. I don't know, but that's funny because... And so you what saw I saw this what, thing with well, what I had seen was that he was so it must have been he was he was there for the platinum jubilee, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So, but they kept showing pictures of William and Kate together with him, and I thought of I thought that was odd because I thought of all the actors in the world, why him? Um, yeah. So this is funny that they've also now moved it on to her. So obviously they must have. I wonder why. I wonder why him of all actors were was involved. She must have liked his movies, I guess. She either watched the Mission Impossible films. She it's something. A, it's a it's head a, it's a head scratcher. Yeah, because I'm trying to think of that tea for a minute. Oh, Mr. Cruz, do you like marmalade on your muffin? I mean, yeah. you know what? What are they bonding over precisely? But hey, that's just going to be one of those mysteries we'll never know unless he decides to say what they talked about. You know, nobody ever gives in, do they? Nobody ever no, tells you anything. No. I wonder if anybody will. Mm, you know what book I'm dying to get? Which Not one? necessarily the Queen's, but, you know, Jackie Kennedy's. Remember the her diaries are supposed to be published like 50 years after her death? We may be out of the picture by then, but that's something I want to read. You think so? Oh, yeah. Oh, think yeah. there's some dirt in there? Mm-hmm. Huh. I don't. Yeah. So now I'm. I'm. I'm going to have to do some research on this with the Queen. Then. I'm, I'm, it's like, funny like, that she If was you there. Google, what did Tom Cruise and Her Majesty talk about? Yeah, you're going to get something. You know, corgis. I don't. Know. Is he married now? I. I don't believe so. Actually, that's a great question. I don't think so. Maybe she tried to marry him off to Bubbles Devere. <laughs> Everyone call call me Bubbles, darling. Everyone does. <laughs> Miss, Mrs. Devere, you, you haven't paid for your stay in the last check bounce. Oh, that's horrible. Horrible. Did you call my husband on the Monte Carlo line? What's the number? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Those are the, you know, those are the best, and you really can't find them on... on Do you have the DVDs? Them. I don't, but uh, oh, oh. I, have to get them at, I have to get them at the deep discount. Yes. Well, if you can find them. Um, yeah, they're tough but, to find. We cherish our little Britain discs. Oh, that's terrible, terrible, darling. Have you reached them on the Monte Carlo line? What's the number? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Very clever, darling. So, She's going to the Solari bed. My turn. Push. Anyway, sorry, folks. <laughs> so what caught my eye this week, So, and I opened it up with our teaser this week, as Listenberg is apparently the hottest new country in Europe. And so everybody knows that um, Americans tend to be very bad with geography. And there are these little, I, I would say they're almost like little hamlets like Monaco, where there's, uh, mm -hmm. 
tiny, tiny little places like Luxembourg or other tiny little little spots. What is the uh, Andorra? Yeah. Tiny, tiny countries in Europe. So this headline saying that Luxembourg was the hottest new country in Europe, I thought, okay, where is it? So I look and there was an actual map and it was somewhere between Portugal and Spain. It was all mapped out. And this Frenchman had gone on and had essentially said, had written about that he was the prime minister of Luxembourg and gave the, uh, had written it in French and uh, had gone on social media, had initially gone on Twitter and said that um, he had totally made up this country called Lissenborg and said that uh, he photoshopped in where it was. And I went and I looked at the map. I'm like, oh, okay. And uh, because he had written it in French, they said the Americans totally fell for it. He said, I'm sure the Americans don't even know the name of this country. And he said that it, it got immediately got 112,000 likes, almost up to a million. And then all these other people started, you know, lob, uh, getting involved and, and adding on to the mystery. So there was a Department of Defense. Somebody had done a flag. Someone posted a national anthem on YouTube. Someone actually did a Wikipedia page. Wikipedia was smart enough to not post it, and they took it down. This Ryan, is so not what I was expecting. This is so not what I was expecting. Ryan Airlines ended up saying, we're proud to announce our newest base in Lissenborg. And they did a logo, which is, John, as uh, if, you're, if you're watching, John will see the I Listen Air and Cargo. I thought actually like a real one of Did those you cr- think this like, was a real flag? Like an old European flag. Like, like a Monaco thing, right? So did you think this was a real place? Malta, Monaco, Lissenborg, yeah. So you're another one, like the Americans. They said the Waze app got involved. They've now had celebrities that have visited, just got back from Lissenborg. So they said this has taken over. They've got 75 million views on TikTok for Lissenborg. It's the gone crazy. Stuff. I tell you, this is hysterical. And they I, said, can't, I can't believe this is all just made up. This is yeah, made up, right? Yeah, okay. it's all made up. So they said that uh, Lissenborg now, right now has 3.3 million followers, um, 4.2 million likes, and uh, just last uh, over the weekend, seven hundred sixty-one thousand people have <laughs> have gone on to look. But they said because they did it in French, and because they just think people were gullible about um, about the map of Europe, you know. Because I did look at it, I thought, well, wait a minute, that's not. There's no country there. I mean, I, I remember looking. You're pretty good with the geography. I you am, are. and I looked at it, and I thought that, well, all they did is they essentially just photoshopped a little. Clunk. They just photoshopped a country between Portugal, Spain, and France. They just kind of clunk, clunked it on there and said, "Listen, Borg," and uh, people all, "Oh yeah, we know, we know right where that is." And uh, yeah, it says we photoshopped a, a country at the border of uh, Spain and Portugal. And so anyway, this thing is blown up. So if you get a chance, uh, I'm, my of French course, isn't Tim, good, but now just sure que les Américains ne connaissent pas Essentially, says, "I'm sure the Americans won't even recognize the name of this country." And then, oh, sure we do. We know exactly where that is. You know, so everybody, <laughs> we're not so stupid. Blah, 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 blah. Yes, you are. So. Listen, L-I-S-T-E-N, Borg. Borg. B-O-R-G. So they, they, so they said even uh, um, Fox News got into uh, got Are they into pronouncing it, it Listenborg? Borg? I think Listen. it might be. Oh, I was saying Listenborg, but maybe. Well, because we know Listen. the word listen, but I wonder right. if they, yeah. So they said what was even funnier was they said that Fox News was making fun of the dumb Americans for falling for it. But then um, this Frenchman went and corrected Fox News by saying, um, you know, not so fast. You had actually misplaced uh, the Donbass region of Ukraine and Pakistan. So they had on the map. So they said, you know, Fox Eye News. in is, your face. Right. Fox Eye News. Is, right. Fox News is not. Uh, they said, uh, you stop making fun of your own folks, essentially. Um, so that, that was it. They said the typical of the French making fun of Americans by creating a country. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so that's it. So listen, listen, Borg. If you get a chance, we'll have to head over. I, uh, the flag did look very Eastern European to me, though. Yeah. That, yeah. Like Polish like, flag with the big gold eagle and a little Napoleonic, too. Right. What's the end for? With that crest. Wait, let's go back to listen, Borg for a minute. You know, it has that, that, that wreath, like that laurel thing and the, and the, Eagle holding the lightning bolts. I mean, there's that, that lots going on there. Yeah. No, I it's believable. Yeah. I, it is very believable. So it's funny because I thought people, and I thought initially when I sent this to you, because Spellcheck kept correcting it to Luxembourg. Luxembourg. And I, and I kept having to go in and retype listen board. L I S T E N B O U R G. Right. Listen board. Yeah. So that's that. 
So, hey, many of you know that uh, Deep Discounts, a friend of ours here on the focus group, and we appreciate you uh, supporting them by heading over to our website page, which is focusgroupradio.com. And the D Deep Discount logo is there, so be sure to click on it. They've got a winter site-wide sale going on right now, so you're able to own your passion or give uh, your passion to your friends at the holiday season. Be sure to shop around. And uh, so they've got new release this week, plus uh, John and I each pick a movie. So, Mr. Nash, what did you pick this week? Well, I didn't um, actually pick a movie. I'm supporting one that uh, I, I feel like a representative of the American Film Institute, uh -oh. whose mission is to get people to see the top 100 films of all time. And the film that you picked, which has been re-released in 4K, cleaned up print, is what I'm going to help support. Okay. So let's see what you picked. Well, it was the same thing. I picked the same thing. Casablanca. There we go. 4K, Casablanca, Humphrey Bogart, Ingrid Bergman, Claude Rains as the inspector, fabulous role. I mean, just Sidney Greenstreet. You can't ask for a better cast, and Tim has not seen Casablanca. I know. Well, the, apparently all of Deep Discount knows that, as well as... Uh, all the marketing so, team over there. All the marketing yeah. team. So, so uh, Lauren and Lori were laughing about it, and they mentioned Casablanca. So I said, well, I... You know, three Academy Awards. I said, uh, you know, I've got to see this. And they laughed about it when it came out. And they said, well, you're going to have to uh, see it now that there's actually a new release about it. But Deep Discount has lots of new releases. Yeah. It, and, and, but this, this 4K one is $24.99. And to prep Tim for some of the most famous lines from Casablanca, in the spirit of Pick That Flick, I've uh -oh. picked two lines that will get you in the mood for Casablanca. So here's this, the first one. And this is... Humphrey, Bog Humphrey Bogart plays Rick, who's the owner of a club called Rick's in Casablanca. And this is during World War II. The Nazis are coming, or they've already taken over, or they've occupied France, because Casablanca's in French-occupied Morocco. I keep forgetting. But here's this first line. Sam. Yes, boss. It's December 1941 in Casablanca. What time is it in New York? What? My watch stopped. I bet they're asleep in New York. I bet they're asleep all over America. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she walks into mine. Classic line, because Ingrid Bergman comes into his club in Casablanca, and the last time he saw her was, in fact, in Paris when she thought her husband, Victor Laszlo, was, had been a, you know, detained by the Nazis, he might have been dead. So another famous line, though, is uh, this one here. So I'm, getting, I'm prepping you with kind of a pick-that-flick feel. Okay, right? and then and I've we, got a question for you. Go ahead. No, after you get another line? Okay, yeah, this is another famous line from the movie. I'm no good at being noble, but it doesn't take much to see that the problems of three little people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. Someday you'll understand that. Now, now. He's looking at you, kid. Yeah, now he says here's looking at you, kid, at least three times in the movie. That's a famous line. Here's looking at looking you, at kid. You, All right, kid. question from you. for Is this a slow movie? Am I going to fall asleep in this? Is this like Not the English patient? Is this no. like the English patient? Or one of those no, oh, no, 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 no. It's nothing it's like gonna keep me. It's going to keep me going. Yes, yes. Okay. All right, I'm, ex I'm excited then. Uh, <laughs> sit back, enjoy it. It is... Sounds like I need a cocktail, need a highball. I think you would classify this fashion. as film noir as well because it's 1942, so it's got this incredible black and white look, and I bet this print is amazing. Wow. Okay. So that, that little journey down, pick that flick lane for Tim. Um, there is a release this week, and it's The Power of the Dog. Now, this is a movie you did see, I believe. I did see this, yes. So Power of the Dog was originally released on Amazon Prime, if I'm not mistaken, but has now been uh, released through the Criterion Collection. So thank you, Criterion, for releasing this. I bet there's a lot of great extra footage on there. But it's 1920s Montana. Swaggering rancher Phil Birch, who's played by Benedict Cumberpatch, readily extended the cruelty he heaped upon passive brother George, Jesse Plemons, to his sibling's fragile new wife, Rose Kirsten Dunst. Already you have a an amazing cast there, and her sensitive med student son, Peter. Faithfully, the young man discovers the compulsions beneath Birch's macho facade, and Phil's attempts to mend fences may be his undoing. 
um, Oscar winner Jane Campion was the director of this. And um, there was a lot of a, I'll say it this way. Um, I heard a lot of plus or minus. There was very little in between. If I, if someone loved it, they loved it. If they didn't like it, they didn't like it. That's my memory of that. I'm not sure where Did you, you fell on that. No, I have not. You need, to to you need to watch it. You need to watch it. I um I kept waiting for I enjoyed it but I kept waiting for something else to happen. I had Another in my mind around. Well, yeah. I had in my mind where the story was going. Yeah. And in my mind that's not where the story had had gone. So, for me, I kept thinking something else was going to happen and it didn't. So, um that was the that was uh now that's not a good or bad thing. It was just I was trying to look ahead to see where where it was where it was headed. But uh, I, I'll be curious to see what you think about it, the, the power of the dog. Well, everybody raved about it. It was one of those things you had to see. And I know the twist. I do know the twist. So I'll, I'll be curious to see. So uh, recapping, folks, it is um, Deep Discount. And uh, it's their site-wide winter sale. You can get the Deep Discount by visiting our site, focusgroupradio.com, and clicking on the Deep Discount logo and start your shopping experience. And of course, there's a lot of deals going on, especially as the holiday time approaches. We jointly picked a new release that's coming out uh, yesterday, actually Tuesday, and that is the re-release of Casablanca 4K mastering with Blu-ray and a digital copy included in the pack, $24.99. Tim's gonna see it soon. We're not gonna put a date on it, but you're gonna see it soon. And the new release this week is from the Criterion Collection, The Power of the Dog received incredible reviews when it came out so this is a definite thing we would recommend and uh there you go so that's deep discount for you folks we want to thank them for being with us and we are going to take a super quick break and when we return we have a business birthday and a shop talk so don't change the dial as they used to say you're listening to the focus group with tim and john learn more at focusgroupradio.com Now, back to the focus group with Tim and John. Available pretty much everywhere. Hey, welcome back to the focus group. Tim Bennett here, as always, with my good friend and co host, Mr. John T. Nash. We are the focus group. Be sure to catch us here every week, as well as our podcast, TFG Unbuttoned. You can find us and all of our media at focusgroupradio.com. So, Mr. Nash, we've got our, uh, our business birthday upon us. Everyone does celebrity birthday greetings. But the Focus Group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays. So our business birthday today, November 9th, um, we've uh, profiled somebody else involved with this company as well, but supposedly this is the uh, actual founder, um, Yvonne Schwanard, Y-V-O-N. Schwanard. 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 French? Or Swiss? Yeah, French. Uh, French. Uh, was Canadian, and uh, they moved to Lewiston, Maine which uh is very remote it's remote now i can't imagine what it was in the in the 30s yeah, and 40s. true right so as 84 years old today he's uh an american rock climber environmentalist philanthropist outdoor industry businessman his company patagonia is known for its commitment to protecting the environment he's also a surfer kayaker falconer and particularly fond of tenkara which is fly fishing <laughs> i thought you were gonna say he was fond of the ladies after falconing fond right of the ladies and uh, he's written about climbing issues and ethics and mixing environmentalism and business. You might have known or seen him in the news recently. The New York Times just did a big expose, and it was all over the news about him giving Patagonia away. He's essentially given the whole company away other than 2% of it to uh, make sure that the $3 billion company takes all of its profits and money to uh, help the environment and help wow. fix our environment. Wow. But what I didn't know about him is that he started out, um, he was very much, he had moved out west and was very much uh, involved in climbing the large mountains in Yosemite and the other, uh, other peaks out in the western U.S. Uh, in western Canada and uh, Alaska. And he had developed climbing equipment and very tech technical climbing equipment and made a, a living and a lot of money on that in the 70s, uh, 60s, 70s, uh, up until the 80s. And he sold the uh, company uh, in 1989. It was Schwannard Equipment. They actually filed bankruptcy. But um, he, had, he had realized in all of this uh, climbing equipment that he was actually harming some of the uh, mountains and the faces of the mountains with some of the steel 
um, cabling, crampins, and, and the stuff they knock in. Yeah, yeah that and um, some of the the uh, the heavy metal steel equipment that they were using in some of the cracks in the mountains. He also in 1970 had made, had taken a trip to Scotland and bought some rugby shorts, and he had sold them with great success. So he, that's how he started Patagonia. So his other company was called Schwernard Equipment, which was this very technical um, climbing gear, which he did quite well with. But then the Patagonia, which we all know for as the retailer for the Patagonia clothing, which is very um, a widely and globally known brand of rugged technical clothing, that's where he really got his financial success. And uh, so they said when he started the company, he opened the first retail store in 1984. He had opened an on-site cafeteria that only offered healthy and mostly vegetarian food. He also provided on-site child care. He also committed the company to tithing for environmental activism, and he committed 1% of all sales or 10% of profits, whichever was greater, to environmental causes, and uh, was very concerned with also having all the employees involved in environmental projects locally and gave them time off and also supported a lot of their environmental um, projects that they did on the local level. So as I said, in 2018, he, he was upset. He was listed on the Forbes uh, list of billionaires and he got pissed off he said he didn't want to be a billionaire he didn't like that so Mm -hmm. he decided he wanted to sell the company so he contacted his um he said you know rather than going public or rather than transferring it to his children his children didn't want to be known as people who just got this money can you imagine so um he's he's not in the mold of other billionaires we know hey let's uh buy twitter <laughs> yeah no 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 so he said um they said even today he wears raggedy old clothes drives a beat up subaru and splits his time between between a modest home and a ventura california and jackson wyoming he doesn't own a computer or a cell phone they said when the ford uh forbes ranking had come out and listed him as a billionaire it really really pissed him off i don't have a billion in the bank and i don't drive a lexus he said he wanted to get himself off the list. And so that's when he decided he called all his finance people or whatever and said, I want to get off this list. I don't want to be recognized as a billionaire. And uh, he said, that's not who I am. So the company wasn't doing anything about it. So he said, if you don't do something, I'm going to start calling these people, cold calling this Forbes list of people and have somebody buy Patagonia. So they ended up coming you to imagine a- him calling. <laughs> Hello, do you want to buy Patagonia? Want to buy Patagonia? I'm, I'm selling. So, yeah, so essentially what happened then is they put together a, uh, a trust, which um, essentially the company will stay running, stay operational. It puts off about $100 million a year in profit, and this money will go to the environment. And I, I'm guessing this 2% that was held back, I guess, will take care of the family. I don't know, but essentially 98% of the company is gone now to uh, environmental causes. They said very different than most of these other folks that have done these sort of things, which give, you know, a lot of these people give 1% or 10% of their companies, but to actually give the whole company away, they said was amazing, was quite a yeah. rarity. So that's our business birthday today. It's kind of like, uh, what's the thing that Bill Gates did? It was the millionaire's challenge or something where right. Warren Buffett, like they all committed a certain amount of their personal fortunes to, um, to philanthropy. Right. This is different. I mean, he's doing the whole company. It wasn't just a little piece of it. Yeah, he says he's donated 98% of Patagonia wow. um, to a new, new, newly established nonprofit called the Hold Fast Collective, which will be the recipient of all the company's profits and use the funds to combat co- climate change. So it's very admirable. But at mm-hmm. 84, I guess he's done what he's done, and he made all this money. And he, he said he never, you know, never went out to make all this money. But can you imagine? He, was, he, wasn't much, he had to have been a great businessman if you built this thing into a $3 billion company. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. So, for Agreed. someone who says he's not a capitalist, I don't know. But happy birthday. That's Mr. just sour grapes. That's sour grapes. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> he can that's help us it. out, pay our mortgage, right? Mm hmm. You know, we'll have to see. So, that's, uh, that's our birthday there for uh, Mr. Gerard. Do you have any Patagonia clothing? Used to um, select things like the anorak, you know, that pullover right. thing with the hood. Like so, and, and but it's still around. It's not like it, it, they made really quality, good outdoor right. clothing. Yeah, good stuff. Our shop talk today was uh, stumbled across this. It's that Apple secretly uses these three interview tests to easily separate candidates. And this came out of an article out of Inc. Magazine. 
And I was a little surprised when I read this. And uh, so it says, it's no secret that Apple's known as one of the world's top employers, which in turn attracts some of the world's top talent. So they said, being if you're one of the fortunate people to receive one of the interviews, they have such a high volume of applicants that they will um, challenge the hiring managers to interview on a larger scale, meaning that they'll interview people in groups. That was uh, the first one that surprised me, that group interview thing. Right, to help weed out candidates. And so they found a solution. They said that uh, they have these three secrets that they do is they put the people together in groups. And then depending upon what the job is or what area they are, they look at the um, they look at each person and see how they deal within the social dynamics of the group. And then they think that they weed, in their minds, they find the best candidates based upon the position by doing these, um, these three, what they call their three secrets of, of the group. I guess we would call it group thinking focus groups, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what was, what, was the, uh, what was the first one they would do? The first thing they do with some of these uh, group interviews is something called the pre-interview social assessment. So it could be that you're on a video call, which should be sort of like a Zoom thing with a grid of people, or you're actually in uh, a room with some other people and you're going to have this group interview. The article claims that um, about 10 minutes before the actual interview starts is when they begin this pre-interview social assessment. And it goes like this. It, whether you're video or in person, the recruiter or the interviewer will start asking icebreaker questions. And, you know, um, I guess I would say that's the equivalent of small talk. Right. How quick you are to answer seemingly trivial questions, how comfortable you are with answering questions and thinking on your feet, and the degree to which you have respect and decorum toward your fellow interviewees, now this would be at the start of the whole process, says, can say a lot about a candidate. So there are some people who are quick to jump in, stepping on other people's toes. Um, some are more relaxed about it or laid back, and some are graceful and don't even give a response. I'm going to call a little bit of... Uh, well, are we analyzing this whole thing in, or uh, point by you point? Could. Or, uh, you could. I don't think there's anything harmful with small talk. And I thought small talk happened all the time just to put people at ease. Because th th that's what I read into this is like maybe their takeaway is how quickly are you at ease and how quickly do you fit into a group? Because I think that's what they're looking for ultimately, right? I think so. But I think it depends upon. And I, I, I think that's why these the, the three things are important. So in this first assessment, kind of the, you think you're just having the small talk. Yeah, exactly. But they're looking to see how you handle yourself. So in other words, if there were four or five people in the room together and you're just before the interviews start, I think the issue for there is, does somebody, um, monopolize. Is somebody or, or is somebody respectful of the others in the room? In other true, words, are you just true. monopolizing the conversation? Now, in some cases, you might want somebody like that because maybe it's a sales role and you want somebody who's going to take command of the room. Mm -hmm. Or in another case, it might be, nah, that person might not be who we want to handle this particular project. We need somebody who's a little more uh, on the listening side, perhaps. So yeah, that, I think that's how they would assess that. At least that's how I read that. So, um, which leads to the second one. It says the open forum presentation of questions. So it says during the Apple Group's interviews, the recruiter or interviewer will ask the group open-ended questions in an open forum style. So this would be, I, I would say, similar to the way you would be in school. Classroom. If, uh, yeah. In the classroom. So this could reveal each candidate's unique style when it comes to team dynamics. So in other words, um, they'll ask a question. Some people may jump in with an answer right away for every question. Um, whether it was well thought out or not, uh, others may seek to evaluate what others said, um, maybe come out with a counterpoint. Some may just sit quietly out of respect to their peers, um, which will also then give them opportunity to have either somebody ask them, well, what do you think? Or have them build in their minds what the response should be. So again, it's another one of those you know, team dynamics is how, how are the people um, handling these open-ended questions? I'm trying to think of what they might ask. How would you handle a situation where a customer does blank? And I guess yeah, you but they, just... you know, the thing, the part of this one that um, I glommed down to, and you you hinted at it when you said classroom style. They, there was a sentence in here that read, much like in grade school, when a teacher asks their class a question, there are some evident personality types that quickly emerge after a few rounds of questions. And the minute that was put that way, you remember what it was being like: who sat in the front, who sat in the back, right. 
the brown how fast nose. It, right. Yeah, how fast did the hand goes up, you right. know, where they know it all, the whole bit. And I, I think your second part of that, of the curiosity you have for what types of questions are they actually asking? And I think you got right to the core of it, especially if you think of the Apple store. Customer comes in, their phone's broken, or they think it is. You know, right. what, what's your first thing? And you're going to get a bunch of responses that way, right? Yeah. So, and then what was the, uh, so what was the third one that they, they shared? And then um, the third is called the evolution of dynamics throughout the interview. The group interview enables Apple to get to know how candidates interact with not only the interviewers um, they are trying to impress, but also their fellow candidates whom they are competing against. And this is the, the, this one's interesting. By the end of the group interview, Apple is able to see whether the social dynamics evolved from the initial pre-interview chit-chat to the interview when candidates have switched gears from friendly banter to competition. So, um, you know, generally people try to build connections through shared commonalities, which is something Apple might see at the start of the interview. But once people go into competition mode, i.e. I'm interviewing for this job, there's a tendency to shift gears from trying to relate to one another and move forward or toward trying to stand out from one another, says the psychology behind the competitiveness. What Apple is ultimately doing that many businesses, both large and small, tend to overlook is seeking candidates who are a good fit for the team they would be joining. So this goes all the way back to your thing of your initial question of like, well, okay, they're doing a group interview, but what kind of job are they interviewing for, right? Yeah, because you're exactly right. Because I, I thought about levels of confidentiality yeah, or you don't want to, I don't know, there, there's so many so many traps in, in this sort of interview process, I think. You don't want to insult somebody. You don't totally, want to insult yeah. another company. Who knows who knows somebody else? You might know someone else who works at the company that somebody else is in there interviewing from, and you say something. So to me, this, this is fraught with a lot of... Um, yeah, totally, Tim. And it's very based on interpretation, right? Yeah, and I, I, I'm surprised, unless they just do this for store help, not that store help is, is, and I'm not taking anything away from the retail help because that could be just as dangerous too. If somebody is a top-notch manager at a retail store at a mall, then they're interviewing to have the retail position at Apple. Whether you're Gap or Crew or whoever, you don't want to lose your top retail person either. No. So this also goes to when Steve Jobs was alive, uh, there are a lot of articles like this about what it was like to be in the room with him or, or what he sought in executive competency. And it was often spoken about that he looked for people who could answer him directly, who knew how to like put things into the simplest, cleanest form, and who, you know, if, they, if he pushed back, they could push back as well. Kind of like, uh, but it, it had interesting results. So Johnny Ive, the former head of design, uh, used to couch his team on how to act in front of Steve Jobs before going to see him. I'm saying this because, so you have this process that Apple uses about group interviewing and fi figuring out dynamics to get the people in there. But then once you're in, there apparently is a whole nother layer of behavior and dynamics associated with the executive suite. So Johnny Ive used to say when they were presenting the original comps or the designs for the iPod, he had a favorite design, but he said to his design team, leave this off the side of the table. Let's have Steve look at these other three first. And so they go in there and Steve, hand, he touches things, he played with it. I don't want to use this. I don't like this. I don't like that. And they knew how to play him so well. But right. at the end, Johnny Ive was like, well, you know, there's one other design we didn't show you that you might like. And it was the famous one with the click wheel. Remember the wheel? And the... Yep. So then he went and he said, okay, you got to make this smaller. You know, well, we can't. And that's when he tricked, he did his little Steve Jobs thing. I think I've told the story before. He walked over to a large fish tank that was built into the wall and he dropped the prototype in. And they're all like, oh my God, what did you just do? And he said, look at all those air bubbles coming up from that prototype. There's space in there. You got to get rid of that space. Are you actually working for somebody like that? I think they'd be like, I'd, I'd either laugh or like cry. Well, sometimes, you know, yeah, because you don't know, you don't want to be in an environment where you're scared. Correct. All the time. You want to be a contributing member. Right. There was an ad agency in Philadelphia where anyone who interviewed there and everybody was warned and I would have failed the, I would have failed miserably if I People were there. warned, you said? People were warned when they went to interview with this guy because, and you know who it is, mm -hmm. or you know of the agency, but. 
One of the final questions he asked everybody, which would decide whether he may have liked you all the way up until this final question, but you had to tell him a dirty joke. Yeah. I and it had to telling me this. And it had to be I, the dirtiest joke. I don't think I I don't have one off the top of my head. Would you be able to do that? If if somebody did not warn you and said, "Okay, now we had a great interview. You've just spent, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes with this person." Oh, one more thing. I'd like you to tell me the dirtiest joke you know. Could could what? Okay. Does would you say that dirty might be off color? Well, filthy. It had to be filthy dirty, you know dirty joke oh okay no i don't have i don't any... know i don't have yeah. any of those and so i don't know what i would say and i remember I, I had a friend who was going to interview and he and i were poking around trying to find one we, a dirty we were online trying to find a dirty joke for him to remember but i thought i would have totally failed that that test because i you could ask me a question how many red balls are there in canada and i could give you a math yeah, google used to do that Right, but and we could talk through. Well, there's this many households and this many this people. Many kids, you got to figure. Yeah. So you could come to some sort of directional idea on something like that. We could figure that out. But to just have a dirty joke off the top of my head, nope. You and I don't talk like that anyway. But we I just, don't. So, we, we, off color, meaning I could tell a joke that my dad used to tell from the '70s that involved the Pope and a plane, but. Right. And it's not PC today, but it's not dirty. It's just, right. you know, old. So, yeah, I, so I don't, but I never understood where that got. I, I don't know. I guess it's, I guess everybody's, I just, I just always thought that sort of. My favorite that you had um, was your, what's your bill, your billboard, what do you say? Yeah. Yeah, you're a billboard, what do you say? And I just said, I'm busy. And then he got mad at me because I, t- I was too quick. Yeah. He wanted, that, he wanted to leave. He wanted that. to go to the bathroom. That's what the problem yeah. was. You, you know, he I wanted you to sit there and think about it while he went. Yeah, you know. It's, anyway, that, that, but no, this that, is, this was a good article that you found because I'm always interested to read the evolution of technique in terms of the interview process. The thing that I took away from this is that uh, my God, at least somebody's sitting in front of a human being having an interview. Whatever, it, if it's group interview or individual, <laughs> it's, it's someone, not the computer. Yeah. Not, yeah. I'm sorry to say it that way, but this is all I hear is that no one sits in front of someone. I wouldn't have had some of my first jobs out of college if I didn't have those random interviews from the New York Times. You'd circle the thing, send your resume, and none of this cover letter, custom stuff. You got a call, you went in. That was what they did, right? Well, it's so much different. Well, we all know that. It's, it's It's the human interaction with people, you know, which is so much different than a piece of paper. Or I hear so many people that go through these AI yeah. artificial intelligence they don't even talk to a person they go through a powerpoint answering questions and it's how your eyes are looking at the camera um, that was one of your friends recently you told me this one and she got almost to the end you're like what, 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 what yeah, well you she's doing? gone through three different three different um interviews Levels. and she wow. still hadn't talked to a person yet and then she's just never heard this is the craziest thing and it was a well-known company by the way that's another thing that's on the rise again ghosting it disappeared for a while when the labor market was super tight, but apparently employers will interview you and then poof, disappear from you again. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That was a good one. I'm glad you brought that up because at least if someone is going to, at least if you enter this, if you think about that kind of technique in terms of how you socialize, how you work with others, that has benefit moving forward. Do you think you could work at the Apple store? We talked about that once. If, if you were looking, I would to love see. to give it a shot. However, do you have the patience you think? Because you're very smart with this stuff. You're intuitive, which I think a lot of the, the genius people there are intuitive. I, um, okay, so your old laptop was my old laptop. Remember one day it started, right. and I remember I knew enough about it to run a certain hardware test. Um, and when I went to the Genius Bar, I had a piece of paper, a printout of the test. And the guy says, hey, how are you? Super nice. I'm doing good. I said, hey. I ran the hardware test, and I believe these codes mean something is wrong with the CPU or the RAM, but it's oh or the motherboard or one of the three. And he starts smiling, and he starts tapping on something. He goes, "He goes, you're done. Thank you, great customer." And I'm like, <laughs> and, and I, he said, "How do you know to do that?" And I said, "Well, I've, years ago, I had a problem that was similar to this." And that's when I struck up a conversation. So he's, he said, we have to take this in. It's a new motherboard required. You're not going to get it back. It goes to Texas. That's, I had to buy a new laptop that day just to have a, something to use for the time being. But we chatted and, and um, I said, you know, what's it like doing the genius thing? And he said, you know, 
you might think you're a great candidate for this and you could be because you know a lot about it. He said, but a lot of the job is talking people off a cliff to get to the point of what's the problem or is it a button I didn't push? And I thought about it for one. I thought, yeah, that's, you know, language. Someone describes a problem to you. You see them do something. You're like, well, have you tried that? Or the time I went to the Genius Bar, one of my AirPods was like staticky. And the guy said, we need to run an audio test. And I said, no, you don't. It's, it's something else is wrong. We need to run an audio test. Okay. And then he leans over the counter and says very quietly, nine out of 10 times, we gave you a new pair if we run an audio test. And then he leans back. And I'm like, I think I need an audio test. There you go. That's the Genius Bar, right? Yeah, so maybe it's... Uh... I don't know. I just thought it might be good for you, but but I think probably a lot of it is simple. It is probably what it, what they said. There probably is simple things that. Well, he said it's lots of tears when yeah. people come in, and it's a laptop problem or a phone problem. The first question they ask is, "Have you backed this up?" No. What's the usual response? No. Mm, no. Okay. We're gonna lots proceed from there, and they're gonna be tears. <laughs> You idiot. <laughs> yeah, really. Well, I always ask friends who have a problem. They're like, I, like, did you back it up? Oh, well, maybe. I'm like, okay. Then you make Last that, time you I had make a phone that disappointed problem. father face. Well, oh, there you go. You know, last time I had a phone problem, the iPhone 6S, I backed it up, went in. Guy says, did you back it up? I said, half an hour ago. Oh, we love you. I come back in an hour. They gave me a brand new phone. And he said, since you have a backup, this should be no problem. I was out of there like 40 minutes later, completely back up and running. So I guess the moral of the story is if you're in a group interview and there's chit chat going on, you're probably being observed. And the second is if you go to the Genius Bar with an AirPod problem, ask for an audio test. You're making a free pair. And there's the focus group, right? <laughs> Listen, laugh, and learn. Listen, laugh, and learn. Hey, we want to thank you for joining us today here on The Focus Group. Remember to check out Deep Discount by going to focusgroupradio.com and clicking on the Deep Discount logo. Two movies we showcased today, Casablanca, one of my favorites, Bob's favorite. We hope it will be a favorite of Tim someday. When and it he... was a Bob favorite. Oh, it's a huge Bob favorite, yeah. Oh, it just moved to the top of the list. <laughs> See, I can say it's a great movie, but if I say Bob likes it, and then it's top of Tim's list, like, oh, I better check it out. Okay. And the other one was The uh, Power of the Dog, which uh, stars Benedict Cumberpatch. And um, that's been released by the Criterion Collection. So check that out. Everybody, thanks again for making time to join us. And uh, be safe out there. And we'll see you in the new week. It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Accessible on all platforms. Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. That was a stunning focus group.